Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Barb Knows Best, the podcast. I'm Michelle Maros, your co-host, and I'm here with my mom, Peaceful Barb, and some super exciting news today. We're recording this episode from our very own little studio for the first time I'm excited. ever. I'm Hi. Excited. Hi, Michelle. Hi, everyone. Very Doesn't excited. It, feel we, like- it feels like home. It feels like we actually are at home now having our conversations. Yeah, now you're really in our living room. Yes, you are in our living room listening to this episode today. So I'm excited. I'm really happy. And, you know, I was thinking about this, that we were recording our first episode in our new little studio, and your word of the year is new. And how fitting is this that, like, you set that new intention, and here we are, like, a couple months into the year, and just the new keeps coming, keeps showing up. Intentions are powerful. Yeah. And for me, this is fun, which was my word. Yes. Like, See? we're in our own little tech world. Love it. Very excited. Love it. And I feel, I don't know, I just, the vibe is, the vibe is right today. I can tell you're really, really happy. It's just, it's nice to feel mm-hmm. progression in yeah. life, yeah. wherever we can get it. Yeah. And it's been a, we're in, we're into the second month of 2023. And so it's really kind of cool to see how things are unfolding. And that's what I love about life. You know, when you just take one little baby step forward, life has a way of continuing to help you move a little bit forward, a little bit at a time. You know, we're not just taking one great big, huge jump leaf. We're taking little baby steps at a time. So it's really cool. I'm really loving it. It is cool. And, you know, we were talking yesterday, actually, we did a workshop yesterday And you mentioned the Martin Luther King Jr. quote of, you know, you don't need to take every step or you don't need to see the full staircase to take the first step. And I don't know, just hearing you say that feels very like we've just been taking tiny steps and like the staircase appears. And it's it's really like that with anything in life where I think we get so tied up in trying to know what the end result is. And at least for me in my life, I would get very caught up in not having like the clear picture of everything that was going to happen. And instead of just in this moment, like, what do I need to do? Like, what is the next right step? Because it is true. If you keep taking that aligned action with like your intentions, your words, you know, your goals and aspirations, like the staircase does kind of just appear and you just keep moving forward. I don't know. It's just, we say it, but it's cool to feel it. It's really true, Michelle. I, I believe that thinking that we have to know the outcomes and see the whole story and have the whole uh, thing in front of us before we actually take an action or actually take a step is a, is a block. Yeah. And I really think it's an obstacle to our lives. And I learned that a long time ago. So I really try hard to have detachment from my desire for what the, my my control over what the outcome will be and really trust that my desire is a pure one and it's in alignment with who I am. So really all I need to do, just beautifully what you said, all I need to do is take that first step and then it just starts to unfold and then we know the next step and the next step. So here we are. Here we are. Yes. So welcome to our true living room, the new chapter of Barb Knows Best, the podcast. How fun. So last week, I think... Perhaps the week before, we dove a bit into a topic that I was very eager to discuss, and I strong-armed you into discussing it today because it's just such a hot topic. It's so prevalent for so many of us right now. I think it's, it. I know it's really prevalent for a lot of young people right now, and I just want to talk about it because 
when you're stuck in it, it feels all consuming and overwhelming. And like, you can't see the woods for the trees, trees for the woods, which one forest for the trees, forest for the trees. So today we're going to talk about comparison. And I think it's really appropriate for us and really, um, timing. The timing is really right for us because we do a lot of work with young people. Yeah. And we just had a whole class that we did with teenagers recently. And I think this is really up. I, I, my heart feels for the, the generations, especially the young people in the, in, in the timing of today with social media. I think it's really difficult. And I think it's easy to struggle with comparing our lives on our lives with what we see on social media. And I know that people say this often in re, in, um, you know, in posts and some of the memes that are on social media, really on, on social media, you're seeing the highlight reels of people, people's lives. You're not really seeing what's actually happening, but it's still hard to see all that. And certainly we hear that from the teens that we work with. So it's, I think it's very appropriate. And I'm really excited about this topic because it's, it's insidious. It's one of those things that just kind of worms its way into your life and into your thinking and into your being. And as much as you think, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it still kind of rears its head in certain ways that really can be hard for us to detect. Yeah, and it was interesting because I was talking to a friend the other day and we hadn't caught up in a long, long time and we were just kind of going over everything and she lives in a different country and we were just, you know, pros and cons of living in different places, but we both kind of got to the space of how worrisome it is to think about young people being so engaged with social media because like, you know, I think about my relationship with social media as a grown adult. I've had social media since college, I, I guess. So I was still young, but getting into a place where like my brain is fully formed and I can know what's true and what's not. But there's all these studies that show that, you know, younger people who engage in social media, it's, you know, because their brains aren't fully formed, like they can't, they don't have the same ability to detect what's true and what's not and and fall into the comparison game even more so because of being so young and, and not having that differentiation. And I can only imagine what my life would have been like or how I would have felt if I was a teenager or, you know, a child having this added world in my consciousness. Um, it just, I don't know, it's just a lot to think about. And so having, thinking about people viewing all of this stuff with, you know, such innocent little brains is it's true. Concerning. It's true. Because it's hard for me. It's hard for you. Well, I was just going to say that, you know, this, the topic of comparison today in this episode, I think is really up for more people than they think. And I think it's really, really important. And I was going to say, talking about social media, there was no social media when I was younger, but it still was hard for me. So I try to imagine as we're working with young people today, not only do they have all the things that I went through without social media and feeling the comparison and, and having that nagging at me that I'm not smart enough, I wasn't as good enough, or I didn't have the clothes that this person had or, you know, showed up at a dance and I didn't have as nice a dress because I didn't have, I didn't have the resources when I was young. I can only imagine what it's like being in a teenager's life and being in a teenager's or a young person's uh, brain as, as they t- try to digest everything that's coming at them and everything that they see. So, and I think what I want to say to Michelle, what we're going to talk about today with comparison, you are really brave because the things that you are going to say today and, and just thinking about your life as a young person, it's really, I, I just really honor you in how willingly you are to share your experiences. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Cause I know this is, this is a really interesting way that we're going to talk about comparison and, and the the competition game that we play as humans. Yeah. And something I heard recently from somebody else who, who has younger girls is that an interesting aspect of comparison, like with social media is, you know, being a teenager is hard enough with friends and feeling left out or not knowing, you know, if you're liked or whatever, But now because of 
you know, you can see people's locations mm. via social media. Oh. You can like, oh, it's the weekend. I want to go see what my friend's doing and go see their location. And they're already out with all your other friends. Oh my god! So gosh. you can say like, oh, they're all together. They didn't invite me. Or like, oh, I reached out to this person, but they're doing this already because I can see their location. You're kidding me. I and had it's like, no idea. I know. I know. Wow. So it's like a whole other layer of you like you really, well, which we're going to talk about, but fortifying yourself because it's, it's that much more insidious. That just even more so makes me so strongly believe that we all as human beings need toolkits yeah. to really have in our back pockets or in our little bag of tools, what we do when we're starting to have all these things that are happening. And that's why I love that we, that you started this podcast, Michelle, so we could share our experiences and all of our conversations because we deal with just about everything that life throws at us. And this idea of comparison and competition and all of those things and listening to what you just said is just heartbreaking when you think about what young people and people my age, I mean, it's not just, not just young people that are on social media. It's just heartbreaking to feel what might be happening for people mm -hmm. when they look at what's happening on social media or in the news or whatever it is. So well, it does make really you feel like you, we do need that toolkit that you said, and we have to work extra hard to fortify these feelings of not taking things personally, trying to release the feelings of comparison and, you know, then not trying to compete with, you know, everybody around you to, to feel like you're winning in life. And I think one of the things I, I like to start off with, I grew up, all of you know, if you've been listening to the podcast or read my book or on social media with, with me and with Michelle, I grew up with two parents that were alcoholics. We five children. I was the oldest of five children. We did not have enough resources to live our lives in a way that was comfortable or even measurable in a lot of situations. And so I was always comparing myself and I was always feeling like I didn't fit in. I had no friends. So it really was a big deal for me to, to try to figure out how could I actually be in society or how could I actually be in life? And it wasn't until I went into treatment for bulimia when I was 28 years old that I heard this quote, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I heard that, I started to cry. I thought, oh my gosh, that's what I've been doing my whole life. So I was 28 years old when I went to treatment. So imagine, you know, the story that I just said. So it was so hard for me. And I thought, oh my gosh, no wonder I'm not happy. No wonder joy is, was always so elusive for me. So just the idea of thinking about that, everyone listening, just take that in for a second. Comparison is the thief of joy. Who there's, said that? There's no, well, I think it's been attributed to several people, but I think the latest might've been Shakespeare mm, or, yeah. um, I know I was on a retreat once. And it's some, been attributed to a lot of people. It seems like it's not totally sure. No, I don't think it is sure. I just remember one time I was on a retreat and they had attributed it to St. Francis of Assisi. I always thought Shakespeare, so, but I just Googled it and yeah, it's like, I think it's unknown. And, and I think whoever said it, it certainly, it certainly resonates. I think it resonates for all of us listening to it, but just taking that in and understanding that if you're, if you are someone that compares or you have thoughts about comparing or being in competition with other people and what they have or how they look or how smart they are or whatever it is, thinking about when you're in that mindset of comparison, it, you're not happy and there's no joy to be found. So it really is a powerful, it was very powerful for me. And I don't want to say that it changed me completely because I still, as a human, compare myself, but I never forgot it. And every time I do a comparison today, thinking, oh my gosh, comparison is the thief of joy. It just really stuck into my consciousness. Well, because it's like one of the real truths of life that I, I really think that anyone can get behind when you really start to think about comparison is the thief of joy. You think about the act of comparing yourself to other people, to other circumstances, to other lifestyles. And you feel like you're less than or not enough or not smart enough or that you're never going to get to this place. And that is not a joyful place to live your life from. And you now can think of all of the different ways that we compare ourselves to others, social media included. And it's like, it just sucks all of the joy 
or creativity or inspiration out of us because our minds are constantly thinking about ways to compare or to compete or to um, look at in that way. Exactly. And what, a, well, I think what a, I don't know what a sad or what a difficult place that is to be in life. So our conversation today is going to be very hopeful because we do have ways, because I know that it has helped me tremendously to look at this idea that when I'm starting to compare myself to someone or when I'm starting to go down that path, really what comes to me was, wait a minute, do I not think that I'm worthy? Do I not think that I'm enough exactly how I am? And actually, do I think that I could possibly be someone else? And we're not talking about how sometimes it's a motivation to be more active in terms of what our dreams are, what our goals are, and things like that. We're not talking about that. We're talking about actually looking at another person and comparing our worth, our beauty, our brains, anything that you can put our clothes or whatever it is, or our car or our house or whatever it is. We're thinking about how we're, we can sometimes be lured into thinking that someone else is more worthy or, or is, is, is just better than we are. And that's just not true. There are many people out there that might have more money or more things or more whatever, and we can admire other people's beauty and things. But I think there's a fine line between admiring someone and being jealous or envious or competitive or comparing ourselves, which is, I think, worse than anything that comparing ourselves, because we're never really comparing our whole selves. Yeah. We're comparing a piece of it. Yeah. And, you know, I, well, one of the biggest ways I get myself out of a comparative mindset is just remembering that like each of us have our own individual lives and paths and circumstances and qualities. Like we're all unique in in our own ways. And so like you just, your job is to figure out who you are, what you want, what you're really good at, like what you wish to contribute to the world and just like own that uniqueness within yourself because it's a waste of time to try to make yourself like somebody else because they're on their own path and their own journey. And why spend so much of your precious energy trying to fit into somebody else's mold when you're your own perfect mold? And of course, we go through phases where we change and shift and evolve and grow and learn. But like our lives are our own. We're the only, there's only one Barbara Schmidt like you. And there's only one Michelle Maros like me. And if you're listening, there's only one of you. And like, how cool is that? It's a beautiful mindset shift that we have to, I want to say strive for, but actually just be. Well, it's that awareness always and to remember, like to catch it. You know what? You just said something. You know, I started this episode off by saying that comparison is insidious. It's so subtle. Sometimes we don't even know that it's happening. And here's what I think about comparison, actually, especially social comparison, since we're on this this, uh, this talk about social media and social comparison and what people have or whatever it is materially what's happening. I believe that social comparison is outside of our ability to be aware. Like we're not even aware that it's happening. Like if I go and start comparing myself or my house or whatever it is, whatever material thing, I, I don't even think that we're aware that we are comparing and that what it's doing to our psyche or what it's doing to our mood or what it's doing to our ability to love or care about ourselves or to live the life that you just said, Michelle, that we were, that we were meant to be living our own unique selves. I don't think we're going to even know that we're doing it. I don't think we go home and say, Oh my gosh, I just was comparing myself to this other person on social media. Wow. This isn't good for me. This is really, you know, chipping away at my own, worthiness. This is chipping away at my own ability to be exactly who I am. So I think it's really key to start somehow. And when I say somehow, it's like really to start to develop the awareness. And I think you said it really beautifully, Michelle, that we're our own unique unique selves. We can't be someone else. So we're trying to do something we can't even do. Oh, sure. Maybe we can go buy the same kind of house or maybe we can go buy the same shoes, but we're actually trying to change who we are 
that's what comparison is all about. Because we know once we buy the same shoes that we see online that someone else is wearing that we want, we want something else. There's, There's never enough of whatever that material thing is. So really what we're trying to do is be who we're not. And it's so important to embrace who we are. So I think awareness is key. It always is key. But I think in this situation, we must become aware that we are actually chipping away when we start to compare ourselves to someone else. We are actually chipping away at our worthiness. It's so true. And I was doing a little bit of research about, you know, we get a lot of questions, particularly when we talk about negative thoughts or fearful thoughts or kind of quote unquote toxic thinking. And I would say that comparison is an example of that, of like, why is our, why are our brains so prone to latching on to that kind of thinking? You know, if thinking in a positive, uplifting, productive manner is just so good for us and our mental health and keeping our lives moving forward, why isn't it easier? Why isn't it second nature for us to think that way? And we have lots of theories and thoughts about that, but I was kind of, as I was doing some reading and research about comparison, I I found an article from Ramsey Solutions that states kind of like what you just said, there's actually a biological reason we're prone to comparing ourselves to others. Our brain uses comparison to figure out how we measure up to people. And according to Thomas Musweiler, a professor of organizational behavior, he says, it's one of the most basic ways we develop an understanding of who we are, what we're good at, and what we're not good at. Most of the time, this calculation is made up in a split second in the background, and we don't even realize it. But when we dwell on the highlights of other people's lives, it can quickly become toxic. And obviously, it goes on to say we're wired for connection and belonging, but if we constantly compare ourselves to others, we're putting our happiness, confidence, and mental health at risk. But I say that to kind of reiterate what you just said. It's like this thing that goes on in the back of our minds without even knowing it. It's like it calculates. We go into a room. Oh, that girl's prettier than me or she's got cooler clothes than me. So I'm less than and it's just like stored in the back of my mind without even choosing it. Yeah. And we're not, we're not aware of the damage that it's doing to us from the inside out. You know, we talk all the time about living our lives from the inside out. It's so important to really get that these things are harmful, that the behaviors and the things that we think are benign are actually harmful. And I think it's really, really important to start to open up to when you find, open up to, open up to the awareness when I'm starting to compare myself to, to, to stop. That the minute the mind starts to compare, just say, wait a minute, stop. Comparing is not good for me. It is not going to help me. It's going to start to erode my own confidence. It's going to start to erode my own clarity. It's going to start to erode my own worthiness. And then what it does, I think what I've seen in my life, what it does, I think it's a block. Yeah. It's like, it's like a roadblock. It's like one of those, the gates that go down and I can't pass And so I can't sustain or I can't keep taking the step forward. Or if I'm in the middle of change, you know, I'm in a, I'm, we are, you and I are both in the middle of a a tremendous, huge change in our lives. If I'm in the middle of change and I start comparing myself, it's going to actually stop me from embracing and sustaining and moving forward in the change that I'm wanting to accomplish and the change that I'm wanting to do, because I know that it's in the best interest of me and my life. So it's really fascinating how, it's very, very, very detrimental. It's like one of those things that we have to be aware of so that we can stop it. And we have all the power to be able to stop it. And it doesn't mean we're not going to be, it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. I think that's what I want always people to know when they're listening to us talk. We're never perfect. And we're always going to drop back into the comparison game. But how amazing would it be is, how amazing would it be is if it, (laughs) I'm in trouble with the is and if. How amazing would it be if you became aware when you're in the comparison route and you just stopped and said, wait a minute, this is not in my best interest and really just shifted your attention. Let me go call my friend and see if she wants to have lunch today. Like just the shift, we've talked about this so many times, just the pause in the thoughts and the shifting to something else changes everything. So what if we use that same technique when we're starting to compare? Yeah. 
it's wild. And going back to what you just said with the blocks that comparison brings, you know, it brings blocks in your life, but it brings like blocks and hindrances between you and the people around you because it's like we're always somehow in the background creating some sort of hierarchy of people like well I'm better than you but you're a little bit below me and she is up here because of whatever whatever our you know our our set of qualifiers are which obviously is different for every person but it's like I think we do this because like that quote said, we're trying to find our place in this world, but it's also like, we want to feel like we're enough. And if we can be like, well, I'm better than that, but I'm not as good as that. Like, it's just, I think it's a way for us to validate our own place in this world. But like you said, it doesn't matter because us being here is always enough and we don't need to have some sort of validation to feel worthy and loved and accepted. And it's up to that awareness to say, I don't need to do that right now. Like kind of start to talk to yourself, like in your mind, when you have a thought, like, I don't need to do that right now because it does not serve anybody to compare. I wish everyone listening to this right now would understand your worthiness never needs to be validated, period. Your worthiness never needs to be validated. You are worthy just by being a human being. So if we could really get that, that we belong here, we, we are here and we deserve to be here just by virtue of being human. If we could really get that, then I think that that can help us start to chip away at this idea that we need to compare ourselves to other people. And I know... Michelle, you know this about me. One of my favorite places in the world is in the forest, is in the trees. And I especially love the redwoods. When I go to Northern California, I can spend days and days and days and days walking in the redwoods. And so this quote by Ram Dass affected me deeply, I guess probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago when I was on a retreat and I happened to be walking in the redwoods. And I want to read it for all of you because it was so powerful. And in the moment of reading it, I wasn't reading it in the forest. I read it on retreat before I had gone to the trees and gone to the forest. But then when I was walking in the forest, it was a whole culmination for me of me loving being around trees and loving being in the forest. And this idea of how we short, we really shorthand ourselves with this whole comparison, how we are our worst enemies And it's the mind can be our worst enemy or our greatest friend. And so if you don't mind, I'd love to read this quote because it's so powerful. Please do. So Ram Dass said this, when you go out into the woods and you look at trees, you see all these different trees and some of them are bent and some of them are straight and some of them are evergreens and some of them are whatever. And you look at the tree and you allow it. You see why it is the way it is. You sort of understand that it doesn't get enough light, so it turned that way. And you don't get all emotional about it. You just allow it. You appreciate the tree. And so when I read that for the first time, I thought, wow, wouldn't that be extraordinary if I could look at all of life like that? If I could look at other human beings that way, but in, in... I don't believe we can look at other beings that way until we can look at ourselves that way. So I remember I was crying in the woods when I was walking and thinking about this quote at the time. Like, I wish I could just allow me. Mm -hmm. I wish I could just allow me to just be and appreciate me and have that deep appreciation for me and acceptance of me and trust of me. So I, I just, I love this quote by Ram Dass and I think it really encapsulates everything we're trying to say is really just love yourself completely and really not try to compare your life with anybody or anything. Yeah. Let's take a break. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we're back. So I really loved that Ramdas passage that you just read to us. And it really does encapsulate everything that we're trying to say. Because what came up for me as you were reading it is, you know, you think about the tree and maybe it didn't get enough light. So it grows to bend a different way. And it's like, that's us. We all have our different circumstances. Maybe we had things or we didn't have resources or we don't have whatever. We're all different beings. And if we can learn to not compare ourselves in every aspect of the word, and I think body comparison is a huge piece of that, you know, whatever your physical shape is in this world, probably that's the number one, I think, comparison, at least for me, probably a lot of young people, especially with social media, you know, seeing people who have deemed perfect bodies, how do I add up to that? And then even what came along with all of that too, which we haven't tapped on, tapped into yet is like judgment. The judgment, were you going to say that? No. Oh my gosh. (laughs) No, but you just led me into the perfect thing. I love it when that happens. But the judgment that comes, you know, if you're judging somebody else for an appearance or something that they said or did and how that really is a comes back to comparison as well. So the Ram, I, oh, Michelle, this is so perfect. So the Ram Dass quote has another piece to that passage. And I I tee you up for this. Yes. And I, I purposely didn't read that part because I really wanted you all to take in appreciating the tree. And so the second part of that passage is this. It felt like there was something else. Yes. I did this on purpose because I just felt like it was really, it was really meaningful for it to be in two compartments. So, so we ended the first part of the passage. You just allow it. You appreciate the tree. And so the next part of the passage is this. The minute you get near humans, you lose all that. And you are constantly saying, you are too thin, or I'm too this. And that judgment mind comes in. Mm. And so I practice turning people into trees, Mm. which means appreciating them just the way they are. So that is Ram Dass. Ram Dass says, I practice turning people into trees, which means appreciating them just the way they are. And so when I read this, I don't know, 15 years ago or so, what I did when I would when I go walk into the redwoods or when I go walk into a forest, I look at a tree and I think of a tree as a person. Like I've gone up and talking to your friends uh, in the forest. Exactly. I've actually gone up when I was on retreat in August on my silent retreat. And I went into the redwoods for a week after that. I actually can go up and hug the tree. And so I know this sounds woo and I probably sounds really weird. So, oh my gosh. She's a literal tree hugger. She really is. But there's something about if there's something inanimate, even if it's animate, like your dog or your cat or anything other than a human, if there's something that you really just love exactly the way that they are, if you can actually hug them and imagine that you're hugging another human, I don't know. It may sound weird to people, but it has really been powerful for me in this idea of, of turning off that judgment mind or, Mm. or catching that judgment mind. And I think what you were saying earlier, Michelle, in that idea of not, not allowing ourselves to go down the path of that comparison, because we are unique human beings. And so when we can love other people for just exactly who they are, because oftentimes judgment leads us down a path of well, they aren't really as smart as, you know, then it, we have to start building ourselves back up because we've knocked ourselves down by judging or by comparing ourselves. Then we move into the judgment mind. So I just think it's a beautiful way to start to break down the barriers of trying to be someone else and let other people be exactly who they are in their uniqueness and loving ourselves for who we are in our uniqueness. It's so good. I'm so glad you brought up that Ram Dass passage because that was pretty perfect. But it is true that if we can start to hold on to that mindset, um, 
it can really help us from going down that rabbit hole because I've been in places where I'll see something on social media and then I'll like spiral because I'll compare myself to that. Or even when I was younger, you know, I would maybe not get invited to a party or something and feel like I was left out and I would take it personally. Or in this blog that I wrote, I wrote this blog a long time ago, actually. How many years? Four, four years ago? Five years ago? Um, about comparison, like I, and competition. I, I, it's weird because I, I totally do not relate to this anymore. So as I was reading it, I'm like, who on earth wrote this? It's so, I just have to interrupt you. It's so brave of you to share this because when I, I remember reading it four or five years ago, whenever you wrote it and thinking, oh my gosh, I kind of vaguely remember this happening, but now sitting here in the living room with you right now, having this conversation, it's like, wow, it is truly incredible. This is not even remotely who you are. So it's so fascinating how we do grow. We do learn, we do grow, we do become the best version and and the, the greatest beings that we can possibly be. So share it. I really am excited for you to share this with everyone. Truly. And if we're going to link the blog in the show notes, unfortunately, because as I'm reading it, I cringe a little bit because I, as I've grown and learned, learned, (laughs) grow. Yeah. Yeah. As I've learned. learned, Wow. That did not sound right in my brain. I feel like my writing has gotten better and I'm reading some of these sentences and I'm like, ugh. But I guess I'm judging and comparing myself to my old self. And she was, she was great as she was. Anyways, um, reading this blog that I wrote about um, comparison all these years ago, and I brought up the topic of competition as well, because, you know, and why I said I don't relate to this at all is I used to be an extremely competitive person. And I think that led into my comparison because I wanted to be, I wanted to win. I wanted to be the best. I wanted, and I think it was my need to be seen and understood and um, wanted and, you know, had a place in this world. If I could psychoanalyze probably my younger self. And so I thought if I could win or be the best, I would have that attention that I wanted. So I was really competitive, but like probably like a quiet competitive, like in my own brain, I was competing with myself. Like, I don't think I ever vocalized to you. Did I? No, I think you said it perfectly. I think you, you were, you wanted to be seen. You wanted to be, I remember you used to say to me when you were younger, I just want to be good at something. Yeah. Like you wanted to excel. You wanted to be seen. You wanted to be known for being good at something. It's true. I did ballet and tennis as a kid. And I remember this specific moment in my mind, probably when I was like maybe seven or eight in ballet class. And my teacher called me out because I did something really good. And she gave me a good part in a performance or something later on. And I was like, that was everything to me. And obviously I still remember it. However many years later, like it was like, oh my God, she noticed me enough to call me out in the class. And that was everything. So you know, I played tennis too. And I was, you were extraordinary tennis player. Thank you. You Um, You were extraordinary tennis player. Thank you. But I was a nut competitive. You were very competitive. You wanted, I think you knew how good you were and all the coaches and all the people and all the other parents said how good you were. So you knew you were really, really good. So you were, but I was my own worst enemy because my mental game in tennis was a mess. I could not get over mistakes so much. So we're like, you know, if, if I would go to hit my first serve and it would go out or, you know, it didn't go over the net, I would double fault. And then I would just spiral and then I would lose. But <laughs> one time uh, I used to play in tournaments and I, I lost and I threw my racket. <laughs> and you know why you threw your racket? At it that? was just so like, I know you did. I was I could, like in shock. And I vividly remember like my dad watching and being like, okay, yeah. we need to talk. Well, I think why that was so powerful was. And I broke it. Well. Which it, is an expensive thing to, you know, replace as well. You would have won the tournament. You had gone all the way to the end. Oh, really? Yes. And oh, it was, see, I must have blocked all of those things I, out. I think that's why the rage was so dramatic that you threw the racket. Yeah. You, you. 
you're right. You, you have it exactly right. Your mental game. If you, if you didn't, you, you were so good and you got all the way to the end in this particular tournament and you would have won it, but I think you hit it out or I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think I, can, I double faulted. I, you may have even double faulted. Just so like, ugh, the pain. Yeah. But Anyways. to watch you throw the racket and to think of you, I mean, I'm laughing today because it's like, wow. And I remember thinking as your, as your parent, as your mother thinking, oh my gosh. I created she, a monster. No, I didn't think that. What I thought was, wow, she is so good. You know, I'm, I'm all about the mind. Yeah. We, we've got to, we've got to figure out what, what, what's happening in the mind because she's so, she's so good. And even the coach came up to me and said, your daughter is just an incredible tennis player. I, we just have to get, we have to figure out this mind thing. Yeah. And even, so that was like when I would play singles, but then <laughs> I have a, another memory in my mind when I was in another like tennis lesson playing doubles. And I think we were in a match that was literally just for fun. I don't think it mattered. And my partner I felt was not as on my level and we weren't playing well. And I was such a jerk. Like I was, you know, just giving so, I was so mean to my partner. And I remember my coach afterward was like, you can't do that when you're playing doubles to your partner. Like you can't, you're on a team. Like what? And I was so embarrassed by my behavior. And I felt so bad that I had let this part of me come out that I guess because I was so young, I didn't even really know what was going on. But it's so interesting to think back on it because I was so competitive, so comparative. I didn't like thinking that I was going to be worse or looked upon poorly or not achieving whatever it is that I was trying to achieve. Um, and it's just so funny because not that I'm cured of this at all, because I still have my times where I compare and compete and judge, but at least I'm not throwing things anymore. (laughs) But I also don't think, I think, first of all, I think you're just amazing. I just love you so much. I also think though, I don't want to say we're never, I, I, I don't want to say I, I using the word cured. That's always kind of a, kind of a trigger word for me sometimes, but I think you, you are an expert in the mind. Now you've done so much mindfulness and meditation and all the things that I really believe that you, you don't go to that place of throwing a tantrum and throwing your racket. We learn coping skills. I think it's even more than coping skills. I actually think that you have transformed that need to be, you know, lash out or be violent like that, you know, to be seen or to be heard or to be noticed. Violent. Throwing your racket. I mean, you know, that kind of nature. And so I just, I think, I think give yourself a lot of grace that this is what life is about. Well, and interesting too, the, because I was so competitive and comparative, it ate me up alive from the inside out. I quit. I could not, if I was not going to be the best, I could not do it anymore. And the same with ballet too. If I could not get into the best ballet camps and whatever, I couldn't do it. So I let this pesky mindset keep me from things that like I really loved. Like I loved playing tennis and I haven't played tennis in such a long time. I loved to dance. I talked about this a few episodes ago. So just think about how maybe a mindset is keeping you from something that you really love, but you just need to check yourself with how you're viewing it or how you're comparing or competing because you deserve to enjoy things without competing in it or feeling like you have to be the best. Like, in fact, it's great to be the worst at something because you're starting and you're learning. Like we've talked about in the past, like you're only in a beginner mindset once and then you start to learn and you you grow so it's like if we can stop trying to be the best and just be where we are we can enjoy the things that are happening around us and and have things that bring us happiness and not everything has to be a competition and you have to win at it it can be just for fun which is your word for the year fun fun i love that you brought up beginner mind because i think that is something it's i think it's why the buddhist um tradition talks about every day as a beginner mind. We're always, if we can always think of ourselves as as being in a beginner mind when we wake up in the morning, that whole idea that this is the first day of the rest of my life, that whole adage of I'm a beginner today. Let me be open to all the possibilities and the opportunities that life has for me today and take it in as, as new 
and as fresh new and fun and as curious as I possibly can. So I, I think it's, I think your example is really fantastic. And I hope that everyone listening can really, you know, take the competition out of most things. Of course, if you're, if you're in competition, it's, it's important to have all the, all the tools that you need to be in competition but if you're most things in life, we're not in competition with other people about, I think it's really discernment. What am I in competition here? Or is that competition like bug, you know, eating at me and I've got to think that I'm in competition, but really I'm not. I'm just really here to have fun and enjoy life and do the best that I possibly can. So having some discernment of whether you need to be in a competition with someone else or not, and then just really having fun and enjoying your life with a beginner's mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think you have a few things that... I do have a few things. Um, Because I know that we can talk about this and in our minds it makes sense. But it's really hard to put this into practice. And if nothing else, comparison is the epitome of that topic that we've talked about so often with the grooves in the brain. I think our comparison brain, the comparison groove is probably one of the deepest ones in the brain that it might not be today that we just get rid of it. You know, it's like, like you said, etching away, slowly moving out of it and creating a new neural pathway. And it's just, you know, you start and rather than going down a rabbit hole with the thinking, you bring yourself back, like whatever affirmation or whatever you can think of to to remind you that that's not true. Um, but I have a few reminders to help us all when we get into comparative thinking. So the first is that your path is your own. And that it's my favorite, obviously, because if you can really zoom out and remember that your life is your own, There's not going to be another you with your circumstances and your gifts and abilities. It can make you start to love yourself a little bit more than maybe you did the second before. So I love that. And you always, I think you always couple that often with saying, you know, like just stay in your own lane, stay in the lane where you want to go and stop, stop thinking that you've got to kind of join another person's lane and you don't even know where that's taking them and they don't even know where you're going and allowing others to do the same, I think is really important. So think about that when you're starting to compare. I like what you said, use an affirmation. Think about that when you're starting to compare, saying, um, you know, like, let me just stay in my own lane here. Yeah. Because I know where I'm trying to go. If I get in someone else's lane, heaven knows where I might end up. <laughs> exactly. Um, secondly is, you know, remembering that you're where you need to be in this moment it feeds off of that all as well because in this moment, like we, where we are right now is where we are. Like you said, be where your feet are and do what you can in this moment and don't try and move forward or move backward into regret or anxiety of what is to come or what could have been. Actually, what could have been, you brought up that, that, um, ghost ship Mm. as we were talking about this before you recorded. I did. One of my favorite people of all time is Cheryl Strayed. And we're going to do a special episode next next time, I think, or one of these times coming up on on books. And one of my favorite We've books of hers. We've been asked many times. Yes, and we are going to, I promise. But one of my favorite books of hers is Tiny Beautiful Things. And she talks, she does a whole episode on the ghost ship. And that's that idea that sometimes we mourn the life that we we didn't choose or that we never had. And so I think that for in that idea of comparison, sometimes we can be so stuck in the life that we wish we had or the life that we wish we'd chosen or all the things that we forget to just really settle into the present moment in the life that we're living because that's really what's going to unfold to living the life that we want to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I have to mourn that I'm not like Serena Williams. <laughs> <laughs> you actually said that to me when you were little. You said, Oh, I, I say little, I don't know, maybe you were about 11, 12, something like that. And I think you came home one day, you said, mom, 
it's pretty obvious that I'm not going to become Serena Williams. So I think I'm going to be quitting tennis because I remember thinking that you might play tennis in college and you said, no way. Really? Yeah. Huh? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I must have blocked all of that out. No, I think it's We're just, just no, I, I, yeah. I, it just, I wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't for me. Right. Um, next reminder is you're good enough and capable enough to achieve what you desire. Worthiness. Yes. Yes. You are worthy. Yeah. I love it. You know, we all have our goals and paths, like we said, and I love this belief and someone said it to me recently again, I'd heard it before, but like if you can visualize it in your mind and have it as a desire, like you've felt it and seen it. So it's enough for you to create it. You know why that's so important? Well, visualization, but it's like uh, that desire was planted in you. Like you don't have the desires maybe that I have in my brain of certain aspects of my life. You have like everybody has their own pulls and pulls of the heart or whatever. So it's like, if that's what's stirring inside of you, like follow it because it's not by accident. Beautiful. And I think research has shown there's a lot of studies out there now on visualization that when you actually visualize yourself doing something. So if you're having that dream, I love that, that pull of the heart. When you actually can visualize yourself doing it, you're activating a part of the brain that is doing it. And I think that when I read, when I've been reading some of this research, it's so fascinating to me and so cool because it makes perfect sense. So you're really doing it when you're actually thinking about it and visualizing yourself doing it. So if that's something that matters to you and is really important, do it. Yeah. Next is to remember that there's room for everyone to achieve their dreams and one person's success doesn't take away from your own. That was like the tennis maniac in me that was like, if someone won this, that means I didn't. Yeah. And I think what was interesting. And that would eat me alive. Like I I take myself immediately back there and it was so wild how I could not accept not being the best. Well, I also think we get into this mindset and I think especially as a young person, we can't quite grasp this whole thing. But I think we get into this mindset that if you have it, then I can't have it. And it's this limiting, very, very, very limiting mindset that's just not true. And it's the mind trying to tell you there's not enough for everyone. So get in there and get it. And that's just not true. There is enough for everyone. There are, there are ultimate possibilities and opportunities and pathways out there. But we think our limited mind and that narrow thinking that the mind does tells us that there isn't. We cannot believe that. We must we must understand that other people's successes, as you said, are not taking away from our successes and our possibilities. There is enough. Yeah. We are enough. There is enough. And never let the mind tell you that life is limited. Yeah, it's like that black and white mindset. Life is not black and white. You know, it's not you win, I lose. It Life is gray. Life and can like be we, you. We achieve and feel happiness in the gray. And life can be you win, I win. Yeah, of you know, course. Maybe that not that one tournament, but the next tournament. And like maybe you thing. don't need to be the winner. Maybe you can just enjoy the journey of whatever it is. And not have to fun. get into another metaphor. But yeah, the fun is where it's at. Um, next is to remember that you don't have to conform to anybody else's timeline, which is a big one. That would be if sportiness and probably academics and being the best in all of my little things as a kid was my comparison. Timeline stuff would be my comparison as an adult for sure. Yeah. I would say probably for the past decade in my life, that's been the one that I've like really been working on because it is so hard when people kind of push into your face the concept of what is an appropriate life timeline. And if you are not towing that line to a T, there's something wrong with you. And I think what I love about the generations under me, your generation in particular, and then underneath you is that, that, that whole idea that there are timelines that have to be met or you're done or you missed the boat or whatever it is, uh, is starting to erode, is starting to change. 
your generation and the generations underneath you are starting to say, wait a minute, I'm not ready to get married at 19 or 20. I'm not ready to do this. I need a little bit more time. I want to take a pause here. So it's very interesting to me to see as we work with young people to see how that, that whole idea that there has to be a timeline is starting to erode a little bit because I think it's not, it's not real. And of course there's a, you know, of course, if you want to have children, maybe not a 66 year old woman like me could have a child today. I mean, there's certainly, there are, there are definitely there's other options. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Maybe I can't birth one, but so <laughs> see, this is what I mean by what your generation. Visual. Well, cause I think it's so cool. <laughs> I think it's so cool. Oh, this is what man. I mean by your generation. It's that whole idea that just what you said, there are other options. See, in my, my days and probably the, the generations above me, it's like things were black and more black and white than they are today. Life is the gray. Love it. Yeah. Your timeline is your timeline and just love it. And if you don't love it, see what you need to do, what actions you can take. Get creative and be curious about what it. actions. Yeah. Um, the last reminder that I have is to just trust that life is unfolding for you as it should. Maybe not as it should, as it, as, as it, it is. is. <laughs> Jinx. We're morphing into one person. Um, just because even if life feels like it's not holding on to that trust is what gets you into that feeling of hope that tomorrow is, is another day, another opportunity, another chance, another place where you can think again, act again, begin again. And trust and hope is like the foundation of, of life, really. Trust, hope, and faith. We cannot control. And we're like a little, um, you know, those little live, laugh, love. Mm-hmm. We can on a pillow. I think I would, I would close my thoughts on this episode in that we cannot control anything that life brings our way or anything that's happening in the outside world. And our power comes in controlling and knowing that we have a choice in how we act mm-hmm. and, and what we're going to do with what, with what life gives our way. And so that's where your power lies and really understanding that I think is how success and happiness and joy and non-comparison and all the things become accessible, become part of our lives. So thank you for this conversation, Michelle. I loved it. Absolutely. I just have one more thing I want to add. Okay. If you don't mind. Of course not. Um, I also had a, a few little um, reminders for like social media with comparison specifically. Some like reminders for that. Because I I do think that it's insidious with social media and it's hard to get ourselves out. So just know your limits and your triggers and feel free to unfollow people that like trigger comparison in you. Like I know sometimes I would follow fashion bloggers because of their style, but like I would really fall deep into like a, a body comparison situation that was really triggering. And ultimately I would have to like mute them or unfollow them because it wasn't worth my mental health. So know your limits and your triggers and know that you can mute or unfollow Um, and to come up with some creative affirmations to counteract the negative thoughts, like we've talked about, replace some of your internet time with self-care practices, um, and set boundaries for time on social media. I, some, not sometimes I do have like a, a, what's that? What's the word? A limit, a boundary, a time. An alarm or whatever. Oh, alarm, yeah. That's not the right word. On my phone. Anyways. Um, And remember that social media is a highlight reel. So it's not the full picture of people's lives. And life is not meant to be picture perfect in every moment anyways. So we never know what's going on. We never know the full scope of anybody else's life. So it's really, really especially crucial not to compare your life to like a tiny morsel that you see on the internet of somebody else's. So don't let comparison take your joy. You deserve to be joyful and comparison isn't worth it. I can think of so many other thought processes and creativity that we can use our brains for rather than comparing ourselves to others. And imagine what a world we would have if we didn't, if, if it didn't take up all of our precious time. All right. Thanks for letting me add that. Appreciating ourselves and others just the way we are. And perhaps maybe we'll do another episode or something about social media and all of that. I think there's probably a lot of questions about that. Yeah. Yeah. She's nodding her head. Yeah. Thank you. All right. 
Thanks, mom. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks Enjoyed for it. coming to your living room with me. I love it. <laughs> this is our our first episode in the new places done. I'm so excited. Me too. Love this for us. And thank you so much for listening, everyone. Week in, week out and being with us. We love it so much. We love this community and we love this podcast. If you'd like to stay in touch with us, which of course we hope you do, please make sure you're following us on social media at Peaceful Barb, at Michelle Maros, at Barb Knows Best Pod. It's there where you can send us messages, ask us questions, and even request potential podcast topics. If you are not yet, make sure that you are liked and subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You're always up to date and it's just, do it. It's helpful. Lastly, if you haven't yet and you're loving the podcast, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes and leave a review. It's also very helpful to us. Thanks so much again. Thanks, Mom. Thanks for being here. And we'll chat with you next week because as we know, Barb knows best. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.